So uh, you guys know the situation where you're uh, going in the grocery store down the cereal aisle and somebody walks right up to you and they say, uh, tell me how I can get to heaven. You know that. That happens, right? Or, uh, or you, you know the time where you're, you're at a sporting event with the other parents and then uh, what one of the other parents says to you, you, you know, I've, I've been meaning to ask you uh, about Jesus and salvation. You, you, you know, I mean, that, that happens to you, right? Yeah, every day. You, well, I got news for you. Uh, that doesn't happen to pastors either. Uh, and you would think it would happen an awful lot more. But, but actually what does happen is uh, usually, you know, I'm out getting my hair cut or I'm out doing something and I tell people I'm a pastor or, or it comes up and then they immediately say, you know, I've been meaning to go to church. And I'm like, yeah, I bet, you know. Um, so those kind of things don't happen, but don't you wish that they would? I mean, wouldn't that make it an awful lot easier to share our faith if people were literally clamoring to, to know about Jesus, about the gospel, about salvation, uh, about our testimonies, or anything that we can share that would tell them about God? That would make it so much easier. But the bad news is, is that doesn't happen, and the other bad news is, is that doesn't give us off the hook that we shouldn't evangelize. In fact, I believe that all of us should evangelize. So today is going to be one of those sermons that I hope kind of makes us all feel a little bad about not sharing the gospel as much as we should, but I also hope that it encourages you and equips you to some degree to be able to feel more prepared and more likely to do that, at least for this week. And I would encourage you to pray that not only for today or, you know, this week, but from this day forward, you would continue to be more on fire for sharing the gospel with those around you. Let's, let's pray. Oh God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you are our Father in heaven. We gather here today in agreement of your greatness, your worth, your love for us, your holiness, and our desire to bring you glory. Father, we confess that we do not share the good news of Christ as often as we should. Thank you, Lord, for being patient with us and for your grace and your mercy. We thank you also that you are not reliant on us in order to grow your kingdom. Father, we ask you to embolden our hearts today. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, mouths to speak the words of truth that others may hear of your son Jesus and his salvation. Give us the pleasure in being used by you as you lead others to the saving knowledge of your son Jesus. Help us to seize the opportunities you give us and grant us the fullness of your spirit that we may be bold in the proclamation of your name. And it's for that and in your name that we do pray. Amen. So I want to start with asking you this question. What is evangelism? Uh, now, you may or may not think you know the answer to this question. And I also have to tell you, your first note, if you're a note taker, uh, is going to be wrong that's on the slide. But you're still going to be able to fill out your blank. So all you type A people that just ha almost had a heart attack, you'll still get it. Okay? It'll still be there. So what is evangelism? Well, I want to start with what evangelism is not. So evangelism is not inviting people to church. So you already, so it's the not that you have to fill in, I think. I've, I've got those, those wrong there. But evangelism is not inviting people to church, believe it or not. Many people think that's what it is, or they seem to substitute evangelism for that. But unfortunately, inviting people to church is not evangelism. Uh, Mark 16, 6 says, And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. 
see the place where they laid him. Imagine if the way that the disciples were going to evangelize for Jesus is they just simply said, here, let's all go to the tomb and we're going to look in there. Now for some who walked with him, that may make a difference for them. They may come to belief in Christ Jesus as the Lord and Savior because of that. But imagine that being evangelism today. Here, let me bring you to this hole in the rock with this tomb here. Look in there. I don't see anything in there. That's right. Jesus isn't here. Now, do you believe? You see, that's not the gospel. Now, that's part of the gospel that Jesus was raised, but that's only one part of it. So the same is here. You, you can meet Jesus here. When we gather together, we expect to have an experience, I, I hope. When we come in contact with God's living word, we expect to be changed. We expect to experience Christ so we could say that Jesus is in our midst. But if they come to church alone just to meet Jesus, they may not get the gospel that day. They may not get the gospel that week. They may not get the gospel that year. It all depends on the church that you're inviting them to. And also, by the way, I think I've said this from time to time. I, I hope if I haven't, then today will be the day for you. But you are not saved just by attending a church. You are not saved by being a member of a church. You're not saved by being baptized as a part of a church. Like, none of that. You are saved by the gospel. And also, by the way, uh, this may come as a shock to, to most of you, but church, the gathering together, is actually for those who already know Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that people who don't know Christ are not welcome here. Absolutely they are. I would encourage you to invite them. I would encourage you to bring them. I, I would love to have them. But church is for those who are already saved. Remember, that's what we talked about, about church universal and all the way down the line, right? Church is for those who already know Christ. Now, at this gathering, you will hear the gospel from time to time. And it is safe to bring those non-believers in so that they might hear the gospel. And so this is, is an opportunity for that. But also, the church itself is not the gospel. Inviting someone to your home does not make them a member of your family, does it? It just allows them to see what happens behind the scenes of inside of your house. So they might come and they might experience friendship. They might come and experience potlucks or, you know, communion or something like that. They might experience songs that they are not normally familiar with on the radio if they don't listen to Christian music or the whole scenario. And each church is a little bit different. You know, some of them have laser shows and smoke machines and some of them have huge pulpits and altars with people in robes and things like that. So there's any kind of gamut that they might experience. But inviting someone into the church does not make them a part of the church. Salvation does, just like inviting them into your home doesn't make them one of your family members. And furthermore, we also have to remember that the church is a people and not a building. So just having them come to a building does nothing. Second thing that evangelism is not, evangelism is not uh, living out your faith. Now, should we do this as Christians? Well, you better believe it, right? I mean, you'll know a tree by their fruit. And so we ought to actually live out what we believe. And so I would highly encourage you to do that. But do not be deceived in thinking that, well, people will just kind of catch it. John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Yes, absolutely. But they won't know how to be saved. I can wear a jersey... And you can know that I'm a fan of that team. 
But that doesn't tell you anything else about the team. It doesn't tell you anything else about me. It tells you nothing except for that one thing. So you can have this fish sticker on your car, right? You can wear the t-shirt. Uh, you, you, can, you can do all that. You can have the, the little wooden Bible verse on your cubicle. You know, you can do all those things. But that doesn't tell them who Jesus is. That doesn't tell them how to be saved. They might see that you're a good and nice person, but they may not know why. In fact, they may, they may have the wrong conclusion altogether and think that you are actually a good and nice person, not knowing that you're a sinner saved by grace. They may figure out who you serve, but that doesn't tell them how they can know him. And maybe you've heard this statement that the way to hell is paved in good intentions. You see, there's more than just moralism. And as Christians, should we be moral? Absolutely. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. Because I want all of you to have the same burden of conscience that I have. Did you know it's wrong to use the turn lane as a merge lane? <laughs> Uh, I, I'm only laughing because I was just rebuked by another brother uh, about this. I did not, I was growing up, so this is actually, where's my dad? He was a cop. He taught me how to drive. It's his fault. <laughs> but the turn lane, the, the, the middle lane out here is not a merge lane. Now, should it be a merge lane? Absolutely. Have you ever turned out of here? They either need a traffic light or a merge lane. But by the way, it is illegal to use the turn lane as a merge lane. So... You're welcome. Now you can't do it either. So now after church today, all of us are going to be stuck at that light. But at least our consciences, it's not even a light. All of us will be stuck there, but at least our consciences will be clear. Evangelism is not sharing your testimony. Although you should, and I hope you have a testimony to share. I, I, I deeply hope that you, by knowing Christ, can say there was a time that my life was like this without Jesus, and there's a time that my, my, that my life is now like this with Jesus. Now, if you happen to be one of the lucky ones who can say, like, I don't really remember because I was saved when I was like three or four years old, and so I, I don't feel like I have that kind of testimony, you have a better testimony. You know what your testimony is? By the grace of God... He chose me and then preserved me through all the garbage that pastor did, <laughs> right? That's what you get to say. You get to say, look, by only God's grace alone, I don't have all these mistakes and regrets and scars. We always think that the best testimony is the guy who was, you know, strung out on heroin and then like a gospel track, like smacked him in the face or something. And then he was just saved, never touched a needle again. That, that's an amazing testimony. Great. And they should share that, right? But just because you don't have that same kind of testimony doesn't mean you shouldn't share yours. But also, your testimony is not the gospel. Your testimony is how the gospel affected you. John 9, 27, he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Now, you maybe know this. If you don't, you should read through John and get the uh, immediate context of this. But there was this guy uh, who was blind, and he couldn't see for a long time. And Jesus healed his eyes. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they called him in, and they're like, who did this to you? And then this is his response. He's like, I've told you guys several times. Why do you keep asking me my story? Do you actually want to follow him? And so this is 
a great verse for this point because you can tell them your testimony till you're blue in the face, but that doesn't mean that they're then going to follow Jesus because they don't even know that they need to repent necessarily unless you put... The, now, you can share your testimony with the gospel in it, and I would encourage you to try to develop a way to tell your testimony so that it is gospel-centered. But sharing your testimony is not evangelism. Lots of people have personal testimonies of all sorts of things. You ever had anyone tell you that they saw Bigfoot? Or they got abducted by an alien? Or that, you know, they... Whatever? On the same day. It might have been Bigfoot that abducted them. Maybe that explains why we could never catch them. But lots of people have testimonies on all kinds of things, and it changes your life zero. In fact... Some people think that the testimonies that they give are these other things. You laugh at them. But other people truly believe them and have impacted their life. Why is that any different for you? Well, it's because they need to hear the gospel, not just what God has done to you. So what does that lead me to? Well, then naturally, evangelism is verbally sharing the gospel. And of course, you knew that I was going to go here, I'm sure, but you're, you're right. Romans 10, 14. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And now you're saying, aha, that's my loophole. And I would say, no, 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 wait for the rest of the sermon. But don't be deceived. To evangelize is to verbally share the good news of salvation that comes through Christ Jesus alone. That is to evangelize. And, 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 and just full disclosure, I, I want for you to know that it is very normal to be nervous about doing that. I mean, I, I'm nervous every time. You'll probably be nervous every time. I think that's a good thing. So then, who should evangelize? So if you're not off the hook, even though we just talked about unless they're preaching, who should evangelize? Well, I've got two here for this one. First is very simple. The individual should evangelize. You should be engaged in that on a regular basis, so far as it depends on you. Where do I get the text from that? Well, Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. That is for all of those. He didn't single out one of them. Now, you, you may decide to argue with me, okay, well, this is just a command for the uh, immediate apostles, right? And okay, fine, but let's chase that rabbit. So he gives this command to the apostles, and the command of them is to do what? To make disciples, right? Were they disciples? And they're supposed to make disciples? And disciples are supposed to imitate Christ? And Christ gave them the charge to make disciples by doing what? Sharing the gospel? I gotcha. So you're called to evangelize. Does that make sense? So for them to make a disciple appropriately of us, they would also then call us to do the evangelism that they too are doing. That's the fullness of discipleship. So if you are saved, this is a command for you. Period. By the way, you don't have to be a pastor or have some kind of degree or anything to perform a baptism. You don't have to baptize somebody in a lake. My wife was mortified by this because our house is 
not always as, as clean as she would like it to be because her husband's a slob and her kids are filthy. But, and when it was cold outside, we, I, we baptized somebody, somebody in our bathtub. If there's water and you can submerge them, you, bring them back up, okay? But like, you can do it. And any other Christian can do it. It's no special thing. There's no kind of special thing. Uh, it is an outward illustration of what inwardly, inwardly has taken place. So if you're a member of the body, you can do that. But even baptism isn't evangelism, right? So we are commanded to know this. Ephesians 4.11, which isn't up there, but I'm going to read it to you. And he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers. And so you might say, well, that's not necessarily my spiritual gifting. But that doesn't also put you off the hook, right? I mean, if my spiritual gifting isn't serving, does that mean I just don't serve anybody? If my spiritual gift isn't giving, that means I just don't have to tithe? Of course not. And none of you would argue that. But we argue that here because we like to get out of it because it makes us nervous and we don't feel like we're equipped. Well, I'm, I'm going to cover that too, so, so stick with that. But not only should the individual, but the whole church should be engaged in evangelism. Like I said, that is the whole point of our trunk or treat thing, right? That's the whole point of our Light Bears program as a whole. That's the whole point of our youth group as a whole. That's the whole point of Celebrate Recovery as we launch that. That's the whole point of the uh, Camps for Champs that we have. If the gospel is not being delivered, then there's no point to it, in my opinion. Also, the maturing of the saints, so that can happen too, right? But the church should be involved in evangelism. And why do I say that? Well, 2 Corinthians, I think there might be two slides on this, so I'm going to read, and you can uh, switch us through that. But all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Gave who? Us. That's plural, right? So through Christ gave us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What does it mean to reconcile? To bring things together. That is, in Christ Jesus, was reconciled, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them. So that's all the, those outside of this fellowship at this time that he's talking about this. And entrusting to whom? Us, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So we as a body, as a whole, should be engaging our community with the gospel. We should be practicing the go and tell, not just the come and see. So many churches practice come and see. And, and I believe that they will have to answer for that someday. The Bible tells us go and make disciples, not have your holy huddle and hope that some pagan comes in the midst so that you can save them. It's not what it says. It says go and tell. The church should be active in the community, bringing the gospel to them. So, let's cover these questions. Why you may not be evangelizing? So, the first one, why we may not be doing this, or you as an individual, is simply this. Um, you don't know the gospel well enough to share it clearly. But I have really good news for you this morning. You're not alone in that. Every uh, listen, I've, okay, just 
hear my heart on this and not my words necessarily. I feel like I can deliver the gospel fairly well. I don't mean out of pride. I'm just saying, hear my heart. But every single time, I still be, I still be nervous. See? <laughs> every single time, I still be nervous because I feel like I'm going to screw up my words, right? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't have planned that any better. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for keeping me humble. But that's the truth of it. And so you don't feel like you know the gospel well enough to share it clearly? Welcome to the club. Most of us in this room are going to raise our hands. If I said, who feels like they have the gospel down pat and can share it at any moment? Most of us are not going to raise our hands. We're going to feel like we're going to fumble. We're going to screw up. I'm going to leave some key part out, and therefore this person's going to be damned. Well, listen. Acts 18.26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. All right, Bible quiz. I don't want to put you on the spot, right? So just answer in your head, and we'll see if you got it right. Who is Scripture talking about in this text? Do you know who it's talking about? Don't answer out loud. Are you ready? Apollos, or Apollos, or however you say that. Now, later in Scripture, doesn't it say that there was a division? I'm of Peter, or I'm of this, and I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Paul, or whatever. And so people were following after these leaders. So, so the name Apollos, we always think in Scripture, is like, oh, that was, that was one of the guys that was sharing, and he was so good that people were following over. The, Listen, did you hear what the text said? He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Apollos was a great speaker, but he also needed to have his gospel presentation polished up a little bit. And so brothers and sisters in the faith took him aside, and they helped him with that. That's what we're here for, too. Did you know that you guys can actually role play sharing the gospel with one another, and then you can help one another understand if that was a clear presentation or not? Have you ever thought about that? Let me, let me convict you just for a minute. Have you ever had the desire to share the gospel so much that you actually sought out a brother or sister in Christ to help critique your delivery of the gospel so that it would be clearer? So you should be able to explain the gospel in like five steps, okay? Your steps might be different than these, but here's a good overview. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you that each of these steps is not like a one-word step. Maybe you could get it that way. Uh, Bobby Vogt of CEF has this thing called the Wordless Book. If you've ever been a part of our kids program or been part of like the VBS things or anything like that, you probably have heard of the, uh, the Wordless Book. Or if you've been in churches for a while, you may have heard of the Workless Book. Uh, the Workless. The Wordless. I guess that's true too. It's the gospel. There's no works that save you. So the Workless, Wordless Book, right? Um, but here is the gospel in five steps. You can write this down if you want, but you may have a better way of doing it. Firstly is this. God created all things. Man is made in his image. And when I say man, I mean... Eh, Everybody. So mankind. So God created all things. Mankind was created in his image. Second, God created you to have a relationship with him, but our sin separates us from him. Thirdly, because of our sin, we not only uh, cannot have a relationship with God, but we deserve punishment. Fourth, God, however, loves and desires us so much that he took on flesh as Jesus and lived a perfect life died a death we deserve in our place to pay the debt of our sin so that, uh, the debt of our sin that we owed to God. And fifthly, when we place our trust in Jesus as our substitute and accept the forgiveness that he offers, 
seeking to turn toward obedience to God and away from sin, we will be saved. And even in reading that now out loud to you, it appears to me like I should, I should polish it up more because in the last one then, it, it appears that like we've actually got to clean ourselves up to then be saved. And that's not the case too, but being saved should naturally cause us to be cleaned up. So thank you for your critique. I will uh, adjust this. But the good news is you may not know the gospel well enough to share it clearly, but you can fix that. That is absolutely within your power. That is good news. Second thing, you may have fear of man that is greater than your courage in Christ. Let's just be honest, right? You may have fear of man that's greater than your courage in Christ. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And so I just want to encourage you that there is nothing that man can do to you aside from take your life. But if you're in Christ, you know that all that, all that they just did was give you a promotion. And so, by the way, if you think that this is bad now, then wait, because persecution is coming. It is, it is coming fast. And by the way, can we really be his disciples and not really follow or trust him? Jesus said, follow me. He said, go into all the world and make these disciples. And we say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to have salvation but I don't want to experience any hardships for you? Third reason is uh, you, you think that their conversion is dependent on you and not on the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. Amen. This is probably my number one struggle, if I'm being totally transparent with you. I think in my own pride that if I can just deliver the message clear enough, that of course they'll believe and be saved. And if they don't choose Christ after my delivery of the, sermon, uh, the, 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 the gospel, it must be because I screwed something up. I wasn't clear enough. I wasn't excited enough. I wasn't convincing enough. I didn't sell it well enough, and they didn't buy, and that's on my fault. How pompous and arrogant and foolish and self-deceived is that? Do not think that their conversion is dependent on you. It is always dependent on the Holy Spirit. Listen, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I can't bear a child the first time, let alone the second time. And then also he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Also, by the way, this is the same thing I remind myself every single Sunday when I get up here to preach. I spend time over scriptures, and I, I pray, and I seek to try to do a good job, and at the end I say, all right, listen, I've done all the work that I can do. Here, here's what I'm bringing to the table, God. Now you have to take it and actually make it worthwhile. You have to take it and actually pierce people's hearts. You have to take it and actually grow your church, because I can't do anything. And so it's no different when we deliver the gospel. So stop being as prideful as me and just trust the Holy Spirit. We can save no one. But also, this should give you extreme confidence. 
in knowing you can give a terrible presentation of the gospel, and if God wants to use that to save them, there ain't nothing you can do to keep them out of the kingdom of heaven. Yes, that was a good spot. Whoever that was, thank you. That was the spot for an amen. Yeah, that should give you great encouragement that you should share with everybody knowing that it is not up to you and God will use it. Maybe it's this. You are living in disobedience to the command of Christ. This is the one that probably hurts the most. But it's also maybe one of them that's also the most true out of most of us most of the time. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so we need to be honest with ourselves and with God. That often we don't share the gospel simply because we don't want to. It's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. You know, I'm here at the gas station to get gas, not to share with you the only way of salvation. I'm here at the restaurant to eat with my family, not to share with you the only way you can know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm here to pick up my groceries. I'm not here to share with you. You know, I mean, since Christ has called and commanded us to do this, we must seek to grow in our ability and in our obedience. And so how should we evangelize? Well, I'm glad that you asked because I hope at this point you're like, okay. So teach us how. Bring us through it. Well, here are some things that you should try to keep in mind as you evangelize. I also want to say this. There are gospel tracts downstairs on your way out. Um, If we run out, guess what? I will order more. If you want a certain kind or whatever that's not there and you really like that and we, we want that, then, then I will order more. I also have a whole box downstairs in my, in my office that uh, you can leave with people. Uh, just, okay, this is not on your notes, but it's true. If you want to evangelize your waiter or your waitress and you're not planning on giving a good tip, do not also leave them a gospel track. I'm just being honest with you, Okay. Same for any other thing. Like if it's something that you're going to tip somebody and then you want to, and you're going to give them a lousy tip and then, but you're going to give them a gospel track, shame on you. Don't do that. Now I'm not saying you always have to leave them a, a hundo or something and the gospel track. What I'm saying is, is let's just be reasonable and let's understand what, what illustration of the gospel we're also living as we seek to verbally also give the gospel, okay? Although leaving, leaving a track is not a verbal way, but you know, it's a good start. It's a great start. So how should we evangelize? Here's some ways. We should evangelize honestly and urgently. Honestly and urgently. Acts 2.40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And Acts uh, 16.31. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Listen, we cannot twist things to be less offensive. You are robbing them and you are dishonoring God. When we twist things to be less offensive, the gospel is, in, in, in essence, you are a sinner and you need a savior. That's offensive. The gospel is not just Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. 
That is true, but the first half of that also has to be said. You're a sinner, and you deserve eternal punishment away from the Lord because of the things that you have chose to do, either in your mind or through your actions. But God loves you anyway, in your filth and in your decrepitness, enough to send his son because Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, okay? Sin is offensive. The cross is offensive. We must understand and convey the seriousness of this choice and tell them, hey, if you choose Christ, there may be things you have to turn away from and people that you are going to have to turn your back on, or I guess really the people are going to turn their back on you. And so we can't sugarcoat it. We have to tell them, hey, if you're becoming a Christian only because you want God to cure your cancer, I got bad news for you. God may not cure your cancer. You may still have to suffer through that. If you're becoming a Christian just so God will fix your marriage, I got bad news for you. God may not fix your marriage. You may still have to be in a marriage that is tough. All of those other things. We're not selling somebody a timeshare. We're telling them about eternity. So we also have to evangelize, or we should be evangelizing prayerfully and joyfully. Prayerfully and joyfully. Luke 2.10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And Matthew 28.8, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. So we should do it prayerfully, and this one, should be, this one should be super obvious, right? But like, if Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you can't do anything without me, why would we not prayerfully seek to witness? Why would we not seek to pray for that? And I'm talking about prayers like, hey, uh, God, give me eyes to see and ears to hear those who are uh, at the place where, where this gospel today would have the best impact on them because I, I really want to be useful in my delivery of these things. God, please help me be clear in my presentation. God, please help me not be prideful thinking that it's up to me. God, please go with me and give me the strength. God, also please stop the demons and the principalities and the powers that are going to seek to interrupt this presentation. You would be amazed at how many texts or phone calls or weird things happen as you're given the gospel. And then they're like, oh my gosh, it's an actual unicorn. And like, of course it is, because I'm giving the gospel. And of course Satan would make an actual unicorn right now to interrupt this. Like, it happens. It just does happen. I'm just here to tell you. And so pray that God would, would keep those things from happening. Probably don't have to worry about the unicorn thing. But. but also joyfully. I mean, how dare us walk up to people and be like, yeah, I just want to tell you about this thing, you know, that I do. It's, it's, I enjoy it. I don't know if it'll be for you, but like it's following Jesus and it's pretty cool. Like that's lame. That is lame. If somebody told you about a restaurant experience like that, would you go there? And how much more, we're talking, Jesus loves us so much that he shares his glory with us, that he's going to give us a new heavens and a new earth and new bodies, that, that he is going to dwell with us where every eye will be dried because there will be no more tears anymore, that the people who we have longed to see, if they are also in Christ, we will have eternity with them, which means we actually lose no one. We just are without them for a little while. <laughs> that for all of eternity we will be welcomed in by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, having 
everything our hearts desire at our fingertips always. In fact, it's going to be so wonderful that gold they use for concrete. That's a much better pitch. And if you know that salvation, it ought to bring you joy anyway. In fact, you ought to have joy in sharing the gospel knowing that if they receive it, you get a front row seat to see God perform a miracle. And if they deny it, you get a front row seat to be like Christ and be rejected and turned aside for the only thing that matters in this entire universe. Lastly, I think, lastly, we should evangelize using the Bible to provoke self-reflection. Use the Bible to provoke self-reflection. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They, though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Acts 2.14 says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. And then he fleshes out all of that stuff in Acts. And then towards the latter part of there, he says, Now, uh, or scripture says, he doesn't say this. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? You know, in Hebrews, it says that the word of the Lord is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, and it divides between uh, bones and marrow and spirit and soul. And so he has given you the instrument. And so here's, here's how I think about it. Maybe you've heard this before. I see the word of God both as an offensive weapon towards sin. That's the sword part, Right? But he uses that term soul and spirit, bones and marrow. So I also see the word of the Lord as a precise instrument, a scalpel. And a scalpel is often what it was designed for is that so physicians could cut tissue away and then still keep healthy tissue. And so I think it would be the most wise thing for us to actually use the Bible in our evangelism and actually use the Bible in order to bring them to self-reflection. That's what Peter does here. He shares Scripture with them in such a way that they were cut to the heart, and then they said, well, what must we do to be saved? In Acts later, it's talking about Paul in 17, says that it was his custom on the Sabbath to go to the synagogues and then reason with them from the scriptures, it says. So you know what that means? That means that you should memorize scripture passages. Or that means that maybe you should carry a Bible with you, like your evangelism Bible that has some dog ears in it or some highlights in the text, so that you can have a quick reference guide. And you might tell me, like, it's really hard for me to memorize scripture. I, okay. So then if that's so hard that you can't do it, then keep a three by five card with scripture references in your pocket. So at least then you can reference those. Keep gospel tracts so you can read the gospel tract to people. 
Here's what I'm saying. Every single thing in your life, without exception, if you want to do it, you find a way to do it. If you want to go to your kid's game or something like that and you, and you, and you have to work or whatever, you take vacation time. If you want to do X, you sacrifice Y. That's just the way of the world. That's the way it is with us. So, in summary, this is literally the best news this world has ever heard. We ought to share it regularly. We ought to share it boldly. We ought to share it with zeal and with joy. We ought to share it regardless if people accept it or reject it. We ought to share it regardless of what the stakes may be and what might happen to us. So, I don't know about you, uh, but I believe in evangelism. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that you would give us both opportunity as well as openness to share your gospel with all those in our ability to do so. Fill us with your spirit, equip us, and then guide us that we might rightly glorify your name in obedience to your call. It's in your name we pray, amen. Now, I, I wanna close all together by saying this. Um, if you would like evangelism training, it would be, sorry, sister, it would be my joy, where do you want that? Right there. It would be my joy to do that with you. I can also tell you um, the way that I learned to do that is very straightforward. It's called The Way of the Master by Kirk Cameron and some other British guy. Ray Comfort, thank you. Ray Comfort and Kirk Cameron. They have YouTube videos all over for it. You can find it. You'll see that he does that method over and over again. They have online training to do that. I would highly recommend that version of it because it's very straightforward. It kind of cuts through all the rest of the garbage because also if you've ever tried to evangelize somebody cold turkey, which I know is, is even harder, sometimes you'll experience like smoke screens, like they'll, they'll get into something and say, oh yeah, well, that's fine, but what does the Bible talk about, about aliens? Or well, well, okay, yeah, but that's fine, but my cousin, you know, Bocephus, uh, you know, some angel came and talked to him, and so how's that work? And it's like, okay, look, I love your uncle too, but let me finish telling you what I need to tell you, okay? So the way of the master is a good way to do it. I'll be happy to meet with you and, and help you understand the gospel. You can write out your testimony and add the gospel into it. There's so many different things. I long for you to be a soul winner, even though it's not us winning souls, but that's the terminology I'll use. So if you want help with that, please come see me. I will make time for that. And by the way, make time for that with one another. That's it. I'm done. Let's praise.